0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. All right, friends, I am so excited about this episode and my guest. It is a very fun conversation with Annabelle Monahan. She is the author of the book, Nora Goes Off Script, and her newest book, Same Time Next Summer, which I am reading right now, came out this summer. These are the most fun summer, beach, fall, whatever reads you want to call them. They are easy to get into, you invest in the characters, and I started reading Nora Goes Off Script and I was like, yes, this is exactly what I was looking for. My good friend and neighbor, Margaret, actually brought me this book to my home after I had surgery and it was the perfect recovery read. Now Annabelle has been writing for a long time. She has several young adult books as well. She also wrote a column in a newspaper for a long time. She has another book called, Does This Volvo Make My Butt Look Big? Um, But she says in the episode, she said, nor is the first book anybody actually read. I don't believe her. I think a lot of people read those books. Uh, She's the mother of three and she's hysterical. Like, I wish she was my next door neighbor. I wish she was your next door neighbor so that If I couldn't have the option to hang out with her and go on walks with her, uh, that you could. I think you will feel that when you hear this conversation as well. Um, Go follow her on Instagram though. She is Annabelle Monahan over there. And go check out her books same time next summer, Nora goes off script. You will not regret it. Uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, leave us a quick rating and review so potential new listeners can find us. That is such a huge way to help us grow the show. And we are really working hard to make that happen. If you are looking for the best pillow in the world, stop what you're doing. Go to lagoon Lindsay, take the two minute sleep quiz and Use the code Lindsay for 15% off and get the best sleep of your life. Listen, it is this is the best pillow I've ever slept on. I look forward to laying my head on it every single night and there's nothing better to invest in than a good pillow. Okay, go do it and let me know what you think. LagoonSleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with the hilarious... An amazing writer, Annabelle Monahan. All right. Well, today I'm. Why is everyone yelling? We have Annabelle Monahan on the show. Welcome to the show, Annabelle.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So excited to have you. You are having a big moment with your books. Nora yes. goes off script was one of my favorite books of the year. I flew through it. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's been so much fun. I would say this has probably been one of the most fun years of my life.
0: I love that. I love that so much. Okay. So I had like a major surgery and one of my neighbors came over and she brought me three books. She brought me Nora Goes Off Script, The Gunkle, and Every Summer After. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, what a great lineup, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the dream team as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I just flew through all of them. I, I will say I think I liked yours the best. Like I could not put it down. It was so easy, so fun to read. And yeah, I'm just, I'm like, maybe we should try to get her on the podcast. And I didn't even know anything about you as the author. But the more I researched you, I was like, oh my gosh, we have to talk.
1: Wow, thank you. I'm so glad you did.
0: Okay, so you are also the mom of three boys, so we have, like, boy-mom vibes here all around. Uh, I would love, love, love to hear about your evolution as a writer, though, to nor Goes Off Script. I know you wrote some teen books, A like Girl Named Digit, Double Digit, Click, Before This, Your Book, Does My Volvo Make My Butt Look Big? Is that what it's called?
1: Does this Volvo Make My Butt Look Big? Yes. <laughs> I yes. love it. And it does, by the way.
0: Well, see, okay, here's the thing. You chose a Volvo. I chose a minivan. Can we just start Mm. there? Why did you choose the Volvo and why did I choose the minivan?
1: Yeah, you know, I do not feel comfortable in a big car. I just, I'm (laughs) a small person. I just feel like I've got like a Napoleon complex if I get into a big car (laughs) and try to drive around. I am only sized for a station wagon. So that's what I got.
0: Well, once I was pregnant with my third, I was like, I'm just getting a van. This is going to be easiest if I can open these sliding doors and just everybody just pile on in. Now, joke's on me because one of our sliding doors is broken and the other one doesn't have a door handle because my kids broke it off. (laughs) (laughs) And the button that makes it open shut only works half the time and you have to mess with the on-off lock thing. It is kind of a nightmare. So anytime anybody else drives my car, I'm like, let me give you this tutorial on how we don't fix things and this is how you have to do it. Yes. Yes. There's (laughs) something about the
1: third child. I think that's so interesting because there is something about the third child that makes you just let everything go. Like when I had two kids, I had my act together. (laughs) Like sometimes they were in matching outfits and they were reasonably clean. And then I had a third one and it was just like all hell broke loose.
0: I don't even think I had my act together with two, though. <laughs> <laughs> I I distinctly remember this is, this is, it's bad. It's kind of embarrassing. But I, I went to this mops group and, um, you know, like mothers of preschoolers. I showed up at this mops group and I realized that I had not buckled my newborn baby. He was just sitting in his car seat. Mm-hmm. I pulled up and I looked and I was just horrified. And also just, you know, your mind is like, all the things that could have happened, right? Everything was fine though. But I remember telling a couple women at this mops group, I was like, told them what I did. And they actually stared at me like I just committed murder. And then I felt even worse. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I don't know
1: how they survive. I mean, we, we almost murder them every day just by our (laughs) own, like you get distracted. I, I, there's so much about having little kids that I don't remember. Um, But that I remember. Everybody almost about to lick an electric socket. Like just uh, the peril. Constant peril.
0: I know. And I actually feel that way too. And my kids are still young. So people like all the time, especially I'm in this phase, where like, I'm still friends with people that have like babies and stuff like that. And they'll ask me questions. And my youngest is five. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember. No, you blacked out. Yeah, I blacked out. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Um, Okay, so. All of that said, let's start with this, does this Volvo make my butt look big though? And does it make your butt look big?
1: Yeah, no, I'm kind of frumpy in my car. <laughs> uh, the whole idea behind that book, I, um, I wrote a column for a long time. Um, and I think I started that column after my young adult books were out. And I just decided it would be fun to publish a collection of essays for moms. And when I was thinking about a title, I was like, you know, there's something, some days I don't even get dressed. Like some days I just wear my car and I just drive people around in my pajamas in my car. Um, So the idea of that is my car is basically what I wear,
0: which is so sad. This is a great topic, actually, because I love what you said in an interview one time about how, like, we think women past their 30s or 40s, like, they just, like, settle into this way of life. And, like, no, we can be sexy. And I know that sounds really young. People that are listening that are, like, 50, 60, they're like, shut up, you young buck. Yeah, um, right.
1: <laughs> I was about to say that myself.
0: But even, like, you know. You want to be attractive even to younger people and that is okay that you want to feel like that. So I'm just wondering like, yeah, how do, you, how do you feel about that? Like when you get dressed up for the day and you want to feel attractive or whatever. I feel like this is a really weirdly way to word this, but the character of Nora really makes me think about this topic.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, um, I'm i a little more scrubbed down uh, than my mother ever wanted me to be. You know, she was always <laughs> sort of after me, like, could, could you put some makeup on? Could you make a little bit of an effort? Um, and so raising kids sort of suited me. You know, I was mm. always in clothes that you could spread peanut butter on and then throw them in the washing machine. Um, and I did that for a long time, and you know, if you think I'm 53 now, Um, in the last year, I go out and put on a dress and talk to big crowds of people who are taking photographs of me, and it's almost funny. It's like for the first time, I'm actually thinking about, do I have mascara on? Because a lot of Uh people are going to take a picture of me today, Uh, and it's it's a very funny time in life to actually start worrying about what you're looking for what you look like. Ah. Um, and uh, so it's it's sort of been funny to me. No one ever took a picture of me before a year ago. Now there's a lot of pictures of me. So I don't know. And I, I, think, um, I think there's something really freeing about knowing what you look like and being mm. okay with the fact that you don't look like you're 25 mm-hmm. um, because there's a trade-off. You know, I know so much more and I have such a much richer life than I had when I was 25 that... It's okay that my eyebrows droop a little bit. like i don't I don't think I need to take care of that.
0: Mm, I love that. Okay, so first of all, if everybody listening has not read Nora goes off script, you're gonna have to go read it and maybe come back and listen to the interview because we're gonna talk about it a little bit because I want to talk about that evolution of her character because you like really created it around like your life schedule. But then you had this like really fun, like Hollywood guy in the scene and like, you know, they have a thing and all that. And I'm just curious, like how you even, how you even like cultivated that situation. And like, I mean, it's like, it's gotta be like, you're like playing, you're like imaginary playing, whatever, like how fun is that?
1: That That's exactly what it was like. Um, I, I wrote Nora Goes Off script during the initial lockdown of COVID. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I basically, I thought we were all going to die. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything really going on. My normal running around had completely stopped. Uh, My family was either asleep all day or watching (laughs) Netflix. And I was like, I just want to get out of here. And so writing that book was an escape. Um, You know, it's like people have called it sort of the ultimate fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing Mm -hmm. that I was noticing during that really quiet time is just how beautiful my life is. You know, like I wake up in the morning, I go outside with my dog, we watch the sunrise. Like there's a lot of things in my life that are free, that are really beautiful. And it sort of got me thinking about um, celebrities and people who have like that life that we're all dying for. And I always think like, do they sit outside with their dog? Like, do they do they get to enjoy the things that I get to enjoy? Um, so that's sort of what I was thinking about. Like this very normal woman with a very basic like life. She makes tacos on Tuesdays. You know, she's wears the same clothes I wear. Her hair doesn't look great. Um, how beautiful is her life? And could somebody who was the sexiest man alive come to appreciate that the things she has are like the most beautiful things?
0: I got to say, we're not going to give anything away, but I was getting really pissed for a little bit. At Leo in the book. Because I yeah. didn't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I saw the funniest uh, review of Nora Goes Off Script on Instagram yesterday. It was almost entirely expletives. It was like <laughs> the the effing beginning and the effing middle. And I was going to effing kill that guy. And then, oh, my God, I loved it. Like, it, oh, it all amazing. worked out. It all worked out for her. But she was going to kill somebody.
0: That's amazing. I love what you said there about the, the beauty of your just, like, the basic things in your life. But I was also thinking, I don't know, they probably do that. Their porch is probably just a lot fancier than ours.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I you don't do know. Not. It's like, yes. No, I think that, I think that probably if you had everything in the world, um, all of your surroundings would look better than mine. But like, <laughs> you know, that beautiful moment where, you know, you like a guy and then you find uh-huh. out he likes you back. Like mm-hmm. that's like one of the core joyful experiences of your life. And if you're the sexiest man alive, of course she likes you back. Like you don't have that, you you don't have that like initial falling in love feeling because she wants your money. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I wanted to give all that to Leo.
0: I loved that so much. It's so, so, so good. Okay, but you have another book that just came out too that I haven't read yet and I'm so excited that I haven't read it yet because now I have something to look forward to and you've been... Like highlighted on the View and Good Morning America. Like, what is this like for you? I know you've written books before, but these books are blowing up. Yeah, no,
1: I wrote books before, but nobody read them, and then that's (laughs) (laughs) that's a totally different experience. Um, And Nora and same time next summer have just kind of taken off. People are reading them and enjoying them, and they're they're catching um, some attention and. It's like, you know, the big, the big scope of that is something I don't really think about as much as just like to write a book that somebody really liked and mm-hmm. wants to talk to you about. Like, yeah. that was always the goal. Um, so it's just been really fun. It's, I'm, you know, I'm going all over, you know, I was traveled the whole month of June. Um, I went everywhere. I talked to a lot of readers and it, you know, they're sitting there with something that was in my head that's now in their head. And then we get to talk about it. So it's just been amazing.
0: Okay, so you're 53 and you've had a successful career. You've written lots of books. But would you say that right now is when your name is being seen everywhere and these books are really blowing up for the first time? Like we all want success early. We all want success young. You have certainly put your time in. I just want to hear your reflections on that.
1: Yeah. You know, I, it's such a good question. Um, You know, life happens when it happens. You know, you can't, Mm. you know, when you're young, you think when I, when I'm 30, I'll get married, but like, you don't necessarily meet a guy when you're 30. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily roll out the way you think it was going to. Um, I always wanted to be a writer uh, from when I was really young, and I didn't really have the confidence or the wherewithal to do that until I was 37. Mm. Um, And I wrote a couple of books, and some people liked them, but it, they weren't a big thing. And so I just did the next thing, and I started writing my column. And then that became actually much more successful than my young adult books. And I sort of had a voice in the grown-up mom world Um, And I just sat there for a little while until I was ready to write fiction for adults. And so, and now that's taking off and that's a big thing. Um, And I just wasn't ready. Like I wasn't ripe. I wasn't writing the thing yet that was resonating with people. Um, And it could, you know, this, this is the kind of thing that could happen to you at any point in your life. Um, And I actually think it's really fun for me that it's happening now. You know, my kids are grown. I have, um, I still have one at home. Uh, I'll be an empty nester this time next year, God willing. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just, you know, I'm not a person who's feeling like, oh, what am I going to do? I I feel like it's all just opening up for me now.
0: Okay. I want to know about how that's settling in because we live our lives almost like even from the time my first kid was two, I'm already mourning like it's going by too fast And I try really hard not to get sucked into it, but it's there, you know, it is there. And so there's something really beautiful about like this big season of your life happening now when you're about to enter the empty nest phase of life. If you could like reflect back and talk, and maybe you didn't have these feelings that I have about like mourning how fast it's going, but if you could like reflect back and talk to yourself at 38 or however old you were when your kids were a little bit younger, what would you say?
1: Well, first of all, um, I just, I'm on the side of when my kids were two, it was going by so slowly. (laughs) Like, wow, (laughs) this is a long day. (laughs) The wheels are still on the bus going round and round. I mean, I just like, that could make my head explode. Um, I I think that it is, you know, uh, we love our children. Like my children, when my oldest son went to college, I actually felt it in my body, I felt Mm. like I physically lost something. Like it was almost as if it was the final stage of delivery. Like it hurt. Mm. My whole body hurt when he left. Mm. Um, And that was for a couple of weeks. And then he was settled in. And then PS, spoiler, they're home all the time. Like they leave for (laughs) college. They're like home for a month at Christmas. Anyway, so (laughs) that was a really difficult time. Um, But I think, you know, what I... What I did and what I would advise, advise anybody to do is keep yourself up. Keep keep up with something that is not just your children and do it for yourself. And, you know, if you're married, do it for your marriage, um, but also do it for your kids because I think it's very difficult for them to leave. And mm-hmm. if they think that you're not going to be okay and that your mm-hmm. whole life and all of your joy and happiness um, came from watching them play soccer then that's really hard on them. Um, mm-hmm. And that was the thing about my mom that I really loved. Like I, I needed to go far away to college and I needed to move away. That was kind of like I needed to go start my own thing. And she she had such a full life. Like I, I had no fear about leaving my mom. Like she, she was dating. She had a job. She was like perfectly happy. And that was such a gift to me.
0: Yeah, you know, I... I never, I don't ever think about when I left home and like how that affected my mom. Now, my parents were so young. They were like 19, 21, 23 when they had their babies. So, wow. I mean, my mom was like my age now when her kids left the house and I'm 39. So,
1: like, wow. I mean,
0: right. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, now I'm like, wait, what? What would I be doing with my life right now if all my kids were out of the house? That's insane. Right. Um, but i also think because she was so young um she hadn't like reflected as much as like i'll i will have reflected because she was just surviving you know what i mean like they had no money they were just doing what they could to get by um and so yeah i think it'll be i think kids leaving the house when you're a little bit older will probably feel much different to her she was like my adult life is beginning here because I didn't have it.
1: Right. She did. She didn't have children and leave something behind because she never, she never had the thing first. Right. Um, Exactly. And you know, in in my generation and I think in your generation, like we do the thing and then we, you know, then we have the children. Yeah. So, so our children leave and we are in kind of a weird time of life. It's like our children leave and we're in menopause and we're like, you know, we're a little bit older. Um, I think it does make for kind of a different feeling.
0: Hey friends, all right, we've got a new sponsor today that I am pumped to tell you about. It is 2 Before. 2 Before is a natural sports performance superfood made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. What do blackcurrant berries do? Well, they contain unique levels of antioxidants called anthocyanins which have been proven to boost athletic performance by increasing blood flow, making it more efficient for the body to pump oxygenated, nutrient-rich blood to the muscles. It also kickstarts your recovery, helps with muscle soreness and manages inflammation, and it strengthens your immunity. Immune-boosting antioxidants and natural-occurring vitamin C are in these black currant berries. I gotta tell you, it also tastes refreshing and delicious. So you can drink it daily, 30 to 45 minutes before you work out. You'll feel that effective it around 60 minutes from taking it you just mix it up with around four to eight ounces of water or electrolyte drink whatever you're drinking i just mix mine with water and there you have it all right so i am really excited for you to check it out and excited to hear how it works for you you can save 30 percent off 20 packs plus free shipping when you use the code lindsay l-i-n-d-s-e-y at checkout just go to two the number two B4.com and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and that'll get you 30% off 20 packs plus free shipping. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, so then your first son leaves second and now you still have one left. So how is that? Like, how are you feeling about that?
1: I feel really good. I really Mm. do. Um, You know, it's because I've seen the long, I've seen, they went to college, they went you know reasonably far away to college and they came back they both live in new york city i live about 40 minutes outside of new york city so they are people that i can go see if i mm. want to um mm-hmm. and it's just nice it's nice to see them thriving um it's nice to see them trying to figure out their lives and their relationships um and you know i just know that their lives aren't for me their lives mm. are for them yeah um and it just feels really good to let them go i don't know let's check back here in a year when the baby leaves because yes. he's like the best um oh. i might be in the fetal position we'll see
0: it's something about the baby like my right youngest my youngest is about to turn five and i'm like um i feel like when your oldest brother was five i was treating him like he was 15.
1: Oh, absolutely! Oh my gosh! I remember when I moved into this house, my oldest son was eight years old, and I sort of put him in charge. Like wh- what? But he just seems so grown up compared to the other ones.
0: I know, oh. and you're like, yeah, you're like, it's so funny. And now I'm the things that I like don't let Sandy, our youngest, do or just anything at all. I'm, it's just totally different. I'm like, I cannot believe the responsibility I put on my oldest. Yeah. Okay, I'm just really relishing in this because you're like almost finished with the like people in your house part and I feel like I can just like really absorb from where you're standing and I really want to do that um like when you do something and you're like oh shit I shouldn't have done it that way or like I screwed this up how have you walked through that like how have you like made peace with it yourself, like when you've made decisions that you're like, if I could go back and do that again, I would do it differently. But like you didn't. So this is, this is how things are now with your parenting. Oh,
1: God. Uh, I know that's a big question. No, it's a big question. And I don't know that I've always closed the loop on it. Um, Yeah. You know, the conversation that you didn't have, you could make yourself completely insane and stay up all night thinking about all the things that you forgot to teach your children. Mm. You know, like, when your kids are living on their own and you're like, do they know not to reach into the subway tracks if they drop their phone? Like, there's a million things that you just figure they should know, but you never told them. Mm. Um, So you can live, I'd say that I could live in total regret over, like, boy, they should have been doing their own laundry to learn responsibility Mm. and whatever. But God, I mean we did our best. Like I, yeah. I just, you know, I, I, I th- feel like everybody's okay. Um, and I just want to sort of focus on the things that did work out. Um, and hope, you know, I always, I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm writing about it right now um, in the book that I'm finishing now is how our worst fear when it comes to our children is that we're going to let them down. Mm. You know, that we're going to miss something. Mm -hmm. And we're, it's it's not that they're going to like fall and break their leg. It's that we're going to have like failed to do something for them that was critical. Um, And so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what I worry about.
0: Oh yeah. But I love that reflection. Like we did the best we can. Like, yes, anything. You can like stay up all night and like think about all the things you could have done different. Well, of course you could have done something different, you know? And in the
1: end, I really think that the only thing your kids take away from living in your house for 18 years or however long is, were they loved Mm -hmm. and were they safe? Like, that's it. All the other stuff, um, Mm -hmm. did they feel safe and did they feel loved? So let's just, let's shoot for that and give ourselves a break. I love that too because,
0: yeah, because the mom guilt is real. Like, I had an event, work event last night. I have one tomorrow night and I have one that I could do tonight, but I'm like, Debating going, and I want to go, but I have some mom guilt, you know. Yeah, but I'm like exactly what you just said there. They know they're loved, even if I go to this work event.
1: Yeah, no, they know th- they're loved, and and maybe they show up at the event, and their their pants are not clean or w- whatever it is. It, it it's fine.
0: Oh, they're not invited. Oh good. Oh <laughs> good. Better yet, better yet, go. They're not allowed to come. I'm not bringing them. Um. OK, so I know we've like gone off track from the book writing, but oh, yeah. I am curious. Are you are you divulging any information about this new book you're writing beyond what you just said? Yeah,
1: no. So I, I, I'm i finishing it in a week. So it's okay. due in a week. So it's okay. mostly done. Um, the one thing that hasn't happened is I have not learned how to talk about it. Uh, Uh, I'm not good at it it's about a professional organizer whose life is a total mess Um, she's grieving the loss of her mother her husband's left her and she decides she's going to have one last summer romance with this super cute guy Um, but it's about it's a sort of about like letting go um, Mm. of your fears and your stuff and all the things that are holding you back and kind of lightening you up.
0: Do you feel like you're on a roll now? Like you figured this out with Nora? No, Nora?
1: <laughs> no I, don't, I don't. I keep waiting for things to get easier. Um, <laughs> no, every book is its own thing. And um, I, I would guess that the minute this becomes easy uh, is the minute I should stop. Because then oh. I'm just going to start writing the same book all the time.
0: Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. Right? The, the minute it's easy is the minute you have found the formula.
0: But the thing is, is like once people find an author that they resonate with, we can pause for a minute. Oh, my okay. God. Okay. No, I understand. He, no, he's the worst. Okay. I'm Does walking you wanna, him. You
1: want to sit on your lap? No, he's. Okay. So this is, this is, this is what we should be talking about on your podcast. Yes, is that my neighbors it. have two, 200 pound St. Bernard dogs. Okay. That's 400 pounds worth of dogs. Oh, my god! And they walk by my house three times a day okay um and my dog goes nuts yeah anyways so can you hear him now because i locked him in a room
0: kind of but i think it's fine um I'm so sorry in my old house we had a neighbor who we like we lived in the city and they had a dog that they would let out and it would be on their rooftop and they'd let it out in the middle of the night because they didn't <laughs> want to deal with it and it would just bark no and i I had babies like no. I was like knee deep in babies and I'm like are you kidding me my kids are letting me sleep and I'm awake because your dog is barking at three in the morning and I would open up the door and I'd be screaming I'd be like put your dog
1: inside oh no I would have gone completely bananas
0: completely I no. know and my that's husband cause would wake for murder. up <laughs> that's right your husband but wouldn't w-
1: wake up no he would just sleep right through it same same I have the same husband
0: And then um, now in our new neighborhood, apparently there's a dog situation down here that we're too far away to hear. And um, I heard the two neighbors talking about it. And one of them ended up just walking over and he told the people, he goes, you have to do better. (laughs) 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 You have to do better. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. And that's, that's all.
0: That's it. Yeah. That's all there is to this. I'm so sorry your dogs are a handful, but you have to do better for the rest of us living here.
1: Let's just start saying that. I know. I, I'm. I'm going to cling to that. You have to do better.
0: You have to do better, and you can even say it to yourself if you need to. Yes,
1: because I do. <laughs> yeah. That's good. No, that's good.
0: Um. So anyway, uh, what were we talking about though? And we'll leave this in because I think it's great. Somebody's going to resonate with this. Somebody's going to have a neighbor that has a barking dog that they can't stand. Oh my stand. god.
1: Oh my god. Well, today it's me.
0: Um. Oh, the books. I was going to say, like, I feel like once you find an author that you just love, 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 like for instance, you may be becoming that author to me. I've only read the one, but I'm going to keep going. Um, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Have you read her books? Yep. So when I read Daisy Jones and the Six, I was like, oh, I'm obsessed. And I I think she has a new one out that I haven't read yet, but I just went on a tear. Read all of her old books, even though they weren't as good as the new ones. Like I loved them. So even if you feel like you figured out the formula and maybe – X, Y, Z, you're writing the same book. Like, I feel like people are going to flock to your books no matter what.
1: Well, let's, let's talk that into reality. I love it. I like <laughs> from your lips to God's ears, but you know, I'd love that you brought up Taylor Jenkins Reid because uh, the thing that I love about her is she always writes a different book. Ah. You, you pick up a book of hers, you know, it's going to be good, but it's not going to be the same book over and over mm-hmm. again. And um, that's what keeps her fresh. And keeps people just so excited because they don't know what they're going to get. And I find it really challenging. You know, I'm Mm. currently writing, you know, love stories sort of in the romance genre. And those stories, people fall in love and something happens and then it works out. Um, And it's, it's kind of important to, or very important to bring something totally different to each one because otherwise that's just boring.
0: Well, that's so true. Yeah. When you say that about Taylor Jenkins Reid's books, it's like, well, I just read Carrie Soto and it wasn't one of my favorites of hers, but like, you're right. It's so different from all of her other books. It's like nothing, it's not anywhere close to any of the other books, but I love that like, um, Evelyn Hugo and Malibu Rising, like they all have like pieces from Daisy Jones in them. Like, I think that is really cool.
1: Yeah. It's very cool. She's very cool. Uh, she's, she's top of the charts.
0: So what is this like now that you're like circulating in like author world? Do you talk to these different authors? I
1: don't know Taylor Jenkins Reid, um, but I do know a lot of them. Um, and it's really fun. It's uh, There's something, I, I I haven't worked in very many industries, but um, there's something in the writing world that's really fun among authors because it's not a zero-sum game. Mm. Like if, you, if you're going to read... Carly Fortune's Meet Me at the Lake, it mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're not going to read Same Time Next Summer. People right. buy two books. So if if people are reading Carly Fortune's book and she's talking about my book, they might buy my book and then I'm going to talk about her. You know, It's all like everybody sort of lifts each other up. Um, so it doesn't feel competitive. Mm, it it just feels very supportive. Um, and it's also a weird job. Like you're literally just sitting by yourself, typing, Mm. making crazy stuff up all day. Um, so it's fun to know other writers and, you know, say kind of what the heck.
0: Well, that's interesting that you brought up her book because I, you know, I had mentioned like that was one of the stack of books, not at the lake. Yeah. Every summer after. Yeah. And when I heard the title of your book that just came out in June, what is it called again? Same time next summer. I thought of Carly Fortune. I was like, oh, this just the title is kind of similar. But the thing about it is, is when you finish a book like every summer after or Nora goes off script, you're like a little bit sad because you're like, I don't want to leave the story. So if you pick up a book like Carly's after I read Nora, it's going to like give me another story that isn't the same, but like gives me that same satisfaction that I got from Nora.
1: Yeah, we're trying to sell satisfaction here. (laughs) <laughs> Lindsay, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to just break everybody's, they call them the book hangover, where you're just, you finish a book and you don't want to start another book.
0: I know. Um, you're like sad. And then you have to like invest in these new characters.
1: Yeah. No, it's, I know. I know. And then it just feels like a lot of work. And then you're so grateful if those new characters grab you in the way that the first ones did. So.
0: Okay. Here, so here's a question then. I, I didn't even think to ask this, but now you have me thinking. We feel sad when we finish the book. And I'm sure you've gotten this question a million times and authors always get it. Like, do we get more? Like, do I get to hear more about Nora or does that just end? Like, that's the story. And like, I don't know what happens in 10 years with Nora and, you know, all the other things. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah,
1: no. So here's the thing. So I don't, I, I personally think that only Rocky 2 was a good sequel. <laughs> That's like (laughs) the only good sequel of all time. Uh Um, And yes, I, you know, people ask for a sequel to uh, Nora. People are asking for a spinoff from same time next summer. Um, They want to see a love story involving Sam's sister. And if you read the book, it kind of makes sense. Um, And I love those ideas, but it's funny when you make something, you don't want to break it. Yeah. And especially in a love story, to write a sequel, you have to break it. Totally. You, you can't write another book about two people being happy the whole time. Cuz <laughs> that's that's not a story. That's boring. Um, so, I don't know. I would have to take a step back and and see if I could break it, but I'm probably not. Probably I I'd, yeah. I'd lean towards never.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I do like what you said there though. Like they'd like to see and I haven't read that book yet, but like they would like to see a story of like a, a character and it's kind of what I brought up with the Taylor Jenkins read books where like you see characters yep. in the book but they aren't like big characters Um because yeah it's like okay you like what happens with like the daughter and the son like could they're, you know what I mean like yeah I don't know there's just something I don't know if nostalgic is the right word but there's just something like comfortable and warm about like already kind of knowing a character when you read a new book
1: yeah no I would like I would like that too I would like to see I'd like to see five years from now uh, in in both of those stories, actually. Yeah. Somebody at an event recently said um, they wanted to see a short story where Nora and Leo and then Sam and Wyatt from same time next summer all okay. get together and have dinner fun. in Los Angeles.
0: Oh, fun. I love that. Yes.
1: Yes. It's like when I was a kid, they did an episode of the Flintstones where they were with uh-huh. the Jetsons uh, and they did, yes. a, you know, a uh-huh. mashup. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what about when, and not that your books, I mean, I've only read the one obviously, but like the, when I always think about this with an author has to write something like a little bit steamy, like, is that uncomfortable? And, and I mean, this is not a Colleen Hoover book guys. I'm just saying we're not, we're not getting that steamy, but like, you know, there's a little bit of steam. Is it uncomfortable to write or like to know my mom might read this or my, you know, whoever might read this?
1: No, Lindsay, literally I've just, I've been through. the full range of human emotions on this. So (laughs) when I wrote Nora and I sold it, um, it, it was sort of like, and then we went into the other room, shut the door. (laughs) Right. And so my editor who acquired the book was like, wait, I didn't notice this before. There's no sex. I'm like, well, (laughs) yeah, but you know, people know, people (laughs) know. And she's like, Come on, you can't bring us like all the way through this and show us nothing. Yeah, she's like, just give us a little something. And I went into this kind of panic that you're talking about. I mean, meanwhile, I I had at the time three teenage sons. Right. So it's like what? So I, you know, and they all know how to read. Yeah. So. I really panicked about it. And I spent about three weeks writing the one paragraph sex scene that you see in Nora <laughs> Goes Off Script. And it is like, it's a sex scene that you could blink and miss. Like, yeah, 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 blink. Um, I, I was just so in my head about it. But what I realized and actually learned because I started Googling this is that there's two kinds of sex scenes in a book. Mm. There's one where you're going to see body parts
0: mm-hmm. and
1: there's one where you're just kind of get the feel of what the people are like together
0: okay um
1: and I'm kind of just a feel of what the yeah. people are like together kind of person and I I've gotten it was much easier with same time next summer the book I'm writing right now was much easier but it's still like on Instagram I will always get one chili pepper out of five when they <laughs> rank me I just yeah okay. I just i It's not in me to type that.
0: Yeah, I would be the same way. What about with your husband? Because I feel like, I don't know why, even though I'm married, I'm like, I feel like I would feel weird about him reading me writing that.
1: Oh, no, I don't mind that at all. Okay. Uh, No. (laughs) And I actually, um, I gave him, I printed out the paragraph and I handed it to him. I'm like, how's this for sex? And he's like, (laughs) it's not bad. Like, oh my Okay. Yeah. No, I think he was the person I was most, uh, most comfortable Come. about. Well,
0: that's a, that's a good thing. Maybe that's a problem for me. Then. Yes. Um, yeah, that's so, I've always wondered that with authors, like I've sat on my front porch reading a Colleen Hoover book and like neighbors walked up and I'm like, <laughs> like, I feel like I'm like, r- like watching porn or something, like doing something really wrong. Um, exactly. And then you're at the pool and you see all these women reading Colleen Hoover and you're like, hmm, wonder what she's thinking about right now.
1: Right? I mean, it's just, it's like sanctioned porn. I've read a couple of Colleen Hoover books, by the way, that I thought were terrific. So like no shade on her. Oh, totally. Yeah. P.S. I I think she's doing okay in the publishing world. I think, I'm not worried about her.
0: No. Um,
1: Yeah, I had, I, two days ago, I, um, I interviewed Lauren Forsyth, whose book came out, it's called Deal Breakers, it came out on Tuesday, Um, and she was saying she does sort of a less spicy sex scene, and she said that in a book she wrote, she did a more spicy sex scene, and her hairdresser said to her, yeah, I read your book, and I immediately had to take my husband upstairs, (laughs) And, and Lauren said, that's disgusting. Like, I don't <laughs> want to be that person for anyone. Right. Uh, and so she she toned it down.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So you said in an interview on in a magazine, I'm bringing this up because other people haven't, like, prepped for this interview like I have. And I want to hear you say um, if you could cast Nora and Leo, like, what actors would you cast for them?
1: You know, it's hard for me to say about um, – about Leo because he is so specific to me. He's mm-hmm. like a, a very specific fantasy person. Um, mm. So anytime anyone suggests who Leo could be, I think, no, that's not Leo. It's because mm-hmm. he's he's Leo. Yeah. Um, so he's harder for me. When I think about Nora, um, I think about Leslie Mann. I love um, her. I love Leslie Mann. Um, She's a little older than Nora. Um, I think that Jennifer Lawrence would be an amazing Nora, um, but she would be an amazing anything. So, yeah, I adore her. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Those are those are sort of the best I could do. Somebody the other day said Keanu Reeves for Leo. And I thought, Um. wow, that's different. Um,
0: I don't know who I was picturing, like Chatham Tanning or something. I don't know. I wasn't. People say that.
1: I get a lot of Bradley Cooper. Almost every day I hear about Bradley Cooper.
0: I think that's who I would choose. That's a great, that's a great one. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to
1: slam the door on Bradley Cooper. I think we'd all choose Bradley Cooper if we could. Yeah. But you
0: had said in that news or in that article, Matthew McConaughey. I like the idea of Matthew McConaughey. I do. It depends on. I guess it depends on what age range you're going for. Because I had advi- envisioned a little bit younger than Matthew McConaughey.
1: Oh no! See, that's the problem. I don't know who those younger actors are. And I uh-huh. also, y- you know, people people say um, George Clooney. I'm like George Clooney. Like he's like seventy. Get out of here. He's not forty. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's
0: like a I mean, young Richard like very... Burton.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess a young yeah young George Clooney. Yeah. All right, friends, I want to let you know if you are training for a half marathon or a marathon, I have training plans on my website at lindseyhine.com. The half marathon plans are 14 weeks. There's a beginner, beginner. This is a beginner as you can get. There's a beginner, intermediate, there's an intermediate, and there's advanced. So there's four options. And then we have marathon training plans that are 18 weeks that give you a nice base build. And I have three options there, a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When you go to the website and click on each training plan, it'll tell you what the mileage starts at, what the long run starts starts at, what the entirety of the week total mileage is at and how it builds you. I'm super conservative with how I build miles and I've had a lot of people who have had tons of success with this plan. Actually my friend Bridget here on Instagram just messaged me yesterday and says, Oh my gosh, I purchased the half marathon advanced training plan for my June half marathon, but ran another one yesterday and snagged a massive PR. I'm a big believer. Down from 146 to 139 mar- half marathon. All right, you heard it from Bridget. Go to Lindseyhind.com to learn more and grab yourself an awesome training plan. All right, back to the show. Um. Okay. So, what have you? We'll wrap up soon. What have you learned about yourself in this process?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, I've learned. I love that question. Um. I've learned that fear is not my friend. Mm. Um, I've learned that um, being in my head is not the place for me to be. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time in my head. Like, you know, I, I worked in banking. I, um, I try to, like, do everything right. Um, but when I am kind of operating from my heart and I don't really care what the outcome is, I create mm. better things. Oh, um, that's so good. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, I, and you know, I think it also could translate to parenting as well. You know, if you're just like tuning in to how everybody in your house is feeling, it's better than when you're saying, okay, at three o'clock, we're mm-hmm. going to do this. At Four o'clock, we're going to, you know, it's, it, it's, I just operate better from my heart.
0: Oh, that's so, so good. We think there's this like formula for things sometimes I even think that with this podcast and my other podcast for runners, which by the way, you're a runner.
1: Mm, I, You know what? that That's a stretch. I'm a, I am like to run a little.
0: Right. But like that means you're a runner. Like there's so many th- common things we have in our lives. Like I, I mean, I feel like you could be on either podcast that I host. But <laughs> I bring up the podcast because I always think like, oh, there might be this certain formula or way to do things. But I find that. My best interviews come when I just like, like you were saying, like without sounding corny, like follow my heart, like talk to people that I want to talk to instead of thinking I have to like do it this way to stay in this niche or you know what I mean? Or because I think the people want to hear that. It's like you're going to do better when you're passionate about what you're doing.
1: No, I agree. I agree. And, and you, you know, the same for writing when you, um, when you have an idea that you want to write, that people want to read a certain kind of book. Mm. Don't write that book. Write the book mm. that you want to write. And your children should go to a certain kind of college. No, they should go to the college that's the right college for them. Um, and I think that we bring a lot of our, our brains and our judgments and our fears of failure, um, into parenting and into everything we do. And it just keeps us away from like the organic way things were supposed to work out.
0: Mm. Um, have your boys read Nora?
1: So here's the thing. So during COVID, we were all stuck in the house and I said, Hey everybody, let's read mommy's book. And they all said, no, <laughs> we do not want to read your book. And so I paid them each $100. Oh, yes, okay. Yes, I did. Tell I thought, me more. I thought we were all dying. So I gave them each $100. <laughs> they each read my book, but it was before it was sold and it was before there was any sex.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So I got away with that. Okay. And then as far as I know, only my middle son read Same Time Next Summer. They, they're really not interested.
0: Do they, do they realize the success you're having with this? Yes. Okay. Yes. Aww. They're
1: very excited. Um, and, you know, we, we share when big things happen. We share on the family text and they say, way to go, mama. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. But, you know, and then they say, can I have a sandwich? <laughs> you know, it's, you know I'm, I'm just their mom.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. We're going to wrap up within a podcast, but I just, I wanted you to give us all, because you wrote an article about this and I, I think that this is a really good tip for everybody. Um, give us the carpool tip that you wrote about.
1: Oh, okay. So <laughs> you guys, I really, I should have an advice column. Like, you Like looking back. Um, when you're carpooling, first of all, don't speak in the car ever. <laughs> do not speak. Uh, do not choose the radio station. But you should always drop off, not pick up. Yes. So when you get the group text, who's going to the bar mitzvah? You say, I, I'm going and I would love to drop off. Because the <laughs> drop off is just opening the door. The pickup is saying thank you, finding everybody's shoes, somebody's thrown up. And there you got to clean. <laughs> Do not ever pick up. That is. Oh, I love it. That's my advice.
0: The other thing that I love, too, with the pickup that you mentioned is that the end of sports practice is really like my son's soccer gets over at 7 and I get there at 7. If I get there at 6.55, it's going to be done at 7.30. If I get there at 7.10, I'm getting a text from the coach saying, like, practice is over. Because I'm like, well, I got there late this time because oh, no, that's time it went over.
1: I forgot that part. Yes. Yeah. Totally. It starts at the time it starts, but it ends for sports practices whenever the coach is good and ready. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want any part of that. Be the (laughs) the drop off mom.
0: But I also love that you said when your kids got older, you're just like, just text me when it's over so that I'm not going to sit there and wait. You can wait for me and I'll get there. Yeah. That was a revelation. That's like an age thing, obviously. Um, And like my kids don't have phones yet or anything, but I do. I live like eight minutes from where my son practices and I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Also, if you're old enough and practice is over and you're shooting around with your friends, like just shoot around with your friends. I'll come get you later. Just, you know, I love that.
1: You're going to love that stage of life, Lindsay. I got to say it's um, there is something about when everybody has a phone and everybody can get around on a bike Mm -hmm. safely uh, where it's good for them. It's good for you. Uh, It just it frees up a lot of your headspace.
0: Oh, for sure. I know. I just have to decide when I'm going to let that phone thing happen in a few years. Um, Okay. Something professionally or personally you haven't done that you would like to do?
1: I think I'd like to write a screenplay.
0: Nice. Yep. Were you thinking about that a little bit when you, and Nora, when you, you know, you were the, Nora was the hallmark uh, writer for the movies?
1: Yeah. No, I I wasn't. I just I wanted to write that book, and then I had a few offers from movie people to actually, like, we'd like you to write the screenplay. And I thought, I'd rather it be good than it be written by me.
0: Uh, so I turned that
1: down, because it's not something I know how to do yet. Yeah. Um, but I would, to the extent I have some time, I, I would actually like to know how to do that. I think that's a very interesting brain shift from trying to tell a story just with images and words versus internal dialogue. Um, I think that would just be interesting.
0: Is someone writing the screenplay though?
1: Well, not now because there's a writer's strike. But yeah, uh, somebody, somebody bought happen. the rights to, oh, nice. to Nora. So we'll see.
0: Is that exciting for you?
1: Not really. Um, you no. know, it's, it, it, it's exciting. The idea of it's exciting. The fact that somebody wants it and that people would want to see it as a movie. Um, but I really just wanted to write a book. So yeah. I'm, you know, If it actually happens, I'll, that would be, I would probably be really excited about it, but I almost never think about it.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, I can't imagine writing a book like this and then going to see your book as a movie and like thinking, oh wait, but that's not what Nora looks like or like right. that's not, that's not what the little writing area looks like. <laughs> right. You
1: know? No, it'll all, you have to let go. Um, yeah. And that's, um, I think that's a big part of it. But uh, it would be exciting to see what somebody else's interpretation was. Um, there's a lot of interest in Same Time Next Summer for film uh, because there's a lot of music in the story oh, and cool. it takes place on the beach and everybody's just in a bathing suit the whole time. It's kind of like filming Baywatch. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, again, there's a writer strike and now there's an actor's strike. So things are kind of slow in Hollywood.
0: What was your music inspiration for that?
1: Uh, you know, I really love a guy with a guitar. Uh, I do I think a guy any guy holding a guitar is the most attractive guy you've ever seen
0: yeah (laughs) Um, so
1: I just was sort of I'm not musical but I could always hear him Wyatt he is so cute cuter than Leo I think Oh. strumming his guitar and writing songs about Sam and I Mm. I don't know Love him.
0: Do I, Do we need, you've, you've probably missed it by now if you haven't already, but like, do I need to sign my kids up for guitar lessons? Do I need to help these boys out a little bit? Oh,
1: probably. Probably. <laughs> Unless you want them to stay single. Um, <laughs> you know, you want to keep them home with you for a long time. Like my kids don't play the guitar. Okay. And they come home to visit a lot.
0: <laughs> all right. I got to get, I got to get somebody on the lessons at least. We get one, one heartbreaker. One
1: heartbreaker is all you need. <laughs>
0: Um, okay, so what is the best, most recent book you've read?
1: Oh, well, there's a book that came out a week ago called The Sweetest Revenge uh, okay. by Lizzie Dent. And Lizzie Dent writes a rom-com in a way that is so fearless and so kind of, there's like a little bit of acid to it. Like it's just not so sweet. Um it, it's just a great story. It's about a woman who just completely blows up her life, but it gets filmed on the internet um, and goes viral. And she has to move to England to start her life over again. But of course it follows her and then she meets someone. It's just, it's a, I wish I'd written this book.
0: It's oh, I love it. The
1: Sweetest Revenge.
0: How do you read a book like that though? Or like books in your genre while you're writing? Is that tough? It is tough
1: actually. Um, because you don't, first of all, you don't want to compare your writing style or, you know, I read a book like that and I think, oh, I should quit. Like, (laughs) it's that good. Um, Yeah. Normally when I'm writing, I really like to read uh, Lisa Jewell. She writes really murdery sort of dark stuff. Uh, Books that I literally could never write Uh uh, because it feels like a break for my brain. Yeah. Uh, Because I'm not, I'm not trying to do that.
0: Yeah. I love that. Okay, two more questions. What is a trip or a place that you have gone or done with your kids' family that you would recommend?
1: Um, I can't really think of a trip, but we picnic a lot.
0: Um,
1: And I really think that if you can take all the food and all the people and get away from your house and Mm. have a picnic, um, it's a really good way to be with your kids um, and bring a deck of cards and mm. not have the TV on. And nobody really thinks to take their phone out. Um, I know that's boring and sort of low budget. But I, I think my family's best experiences are picnicking.
0: I love that. Okay. And now I'm just stressed about the food to pack.
1: Oh, it's stressful. It's stressful. <laughs> but you, yeah, you could, you could buy the food.
0: Yeah, you could do Lunchables, really.
1: You really could. But it's yeah, just could. fun to not be home.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, what's your last message to leave with the audience?
1: Mm, that it's all ahead of you, um, and you—you know—you might be eighty-five listening to this, but it's still maybe all ahead of you. Um, you know, life isn't going to happen the way that you think it's going to happen. It's might even happen a lot better than the way you thought it would. So just keep on keeping on and just, you just keep doing little things towards the big thing that you wanted to do.
0: Thank you so much, Annabelle. I loved it. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: All right. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. Thank you, Annabelle, for coming on the podcast. Such a joy to get to know you and talk to you. You can learn more about Annabelle when you go to AnnabelleMonahan.com. Go check out her books. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a rating and review. You can learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks for being here and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?